Hello listeners and welcome back to Pickle and the Human Experience. This is your host Nuno Delulu and today I have three interesting topics for you. Today we're going to talk about control, change, and choice. We're going to define each one of them and how they are related to each other. We're going to talk about what the weathers of life. We're going to talk about the illusions and realities of these three things. And we're going to talk about different things we can do when we can or cannot, let's say, manage one or all of these things together. So starting with choice, what is choice? Choice is making a decision from an array of different possibilities. So we're always, always, always faced with different possibilities in life, whether small as in what am I going to have for breakfast or a bit larger as in what am I going to pick for my career? The decision that we make is us making a choice. Okay. Now we go over to look at control. What is control? Control is the act of influencing or dictating how something turns out or how someone behaves. So if I am trying to control something, I am trying to make it work in a certain way that satisfies me. And usually people use that as a form to create safety for themselves or for you know, whatever the environment is and, and that given situation. For example, if I'm trying to control how I make results, I'm trying to get the safety of getting good results. If I am trying to control somebody, maybe I'm trying to avoid them acting in an unpredictable way that makes me and slash or them end up in a, let's say, in an unpredictable result that may not be what I want. And depending on the situation, the, the ending that we get to could be bad or could have big consequences or whatever it is, depending on the situation again. So change, what is change? Change is simply the modification or the alteration of something. So if I'm trying to change an outcome, then I'm trying to change how that thing ends or how that thing becomes. If I'm trying to change, let's say, a result, then I'm going to change all the inputs, I'm going to change the process, I'm going to make some modifications here and there to get a different result than what I did in the past. Now, how are these things interwined? How are control, choice, and change correlated? They're correlated in what we're doing, why we're doing it, and how can we make it better or worse. So if I want to do something, then I'm going to either choose to do it or not to do it. There's always, always, always a choice. There's always a an ability to do or not do something. And sometimes the choice is as simple as deciding to even consider the thing. Let's put this into, let's say, a more tangible example. If I want to get a pet, okay, then the first choice I'm going to make 
is whether or not to get a whether or not do I want a pet it's really that simple whether or not am I willing to get a pet am I ready for a pet and all of the other questions so our choice will usually be based on different factors and these factors can range from anything you know substantial or non-substantial depending on the situation so if I'm trying to pick a career then my first let's say choice is going to be what is this career going to be in in terms of um, let's say markets am I trying to get a career in business am I trying to get a career in um, in the medical field and in arts where do I want to be what is the circle that I want to be in another choice in terms of uh, careers how am I gonna how am I gonna get to that circle am I going to go for it with a degree or am I gonna go for it with different trials like attempts if I'm gonna like start a business or am I gonna take a course or am I going to use my connections or what am I gonna do all of these are choices so we're always always met with like different little crossroads different little dots that are created by any two things having ever crossed together and we have this endless endless mesh of different different dots and each dot is a choice that we make these choices are going to inflict or not inflict change so if I am already in a certain career or I'm already on a certain path and I want to, let's say, take a different course of action or go for something different. Let's say I'm a, I'm a, I'm a medical student and I'm no longer interested in medicine and I want to start a business. So first I need to make that decision. Do I really want to leave this, let's say, circle or career path and move to something completely different? Am I willing to let go of everything that I've accomplished or did or all of my investments in this field before I move forward to something completely completely new to me where I have maybe little to no experience or I need to start from ground zero or whatever. If I do make that choice, then I will have a completely different life. If you work in a hospital, it's nothing like if you worked in a, in, in a corporate or if you owned your own company. So the lifestyle is going to be different. My people are going to be different. Everything is going to be different. So the choice is going to inflict a big, big change that starts with teeny tiny changes. And control here plays a very big role. It could be have a role in why I even decided to make that choice. Maybe I don't feel like I have enough control over my life when I'm in medicine. Maybe I don't feel, well, if, if we're going to talk about control, we're going to talk about safety because control is a person's ability or a person's need to feel like they can handle whatever is coming. So usually people want to be in control of a situation in order to have the best chance at guessing the outcome. And the better we guess an outcome, the more we have control. And that equals safety because it's expected. It's something that 
I studied and it's something that I knew was going to happen. And we usually want something that's familiar, something that we know. So naturally, a lot of people who are obsessed with control are people who are craving the safety of familiarity. Okay? So some people are the polar opposite. They want no control whatsoever. And that in itself is a choice. And that in itself requires continuous change. And the thing is, in the different weathers of life as human beings, the change is the only constant. We can never stay the same. The only state in which we will remain the same is if we're dead. No heartbeat, so it's always going to be zero. No movement, because we're always going to be in the same place. And the only maybe change we get is our bodies dissolving. <laughs> so really, there will always be change. That is the nature of this world. And because this is the nature of this world, people can react differently. Some people will want more control, will want more familiarity, will want more, um, let's say, they want more safety. And, and others just embrace the fact that there really is no such thing. You can just control what you can, which is what is under your direct uh, course of action, your direct course of decisions, and really that's your best guess. And others are just going to want to control everything, and those people usually end up very, very miserable. Not because this makes you miserable in itself, but because of the continuous disappointment of you not getting that predicted outcome. You may get that predicted outcome in some cases, and that's the nature of life, but it is also the nature of life that you won't get that expected outcome sometimes. You could do everything right and everything to the millimeter, but still the outcome will be very, very different than what you expected. And that can trigger a lot of people, especially those who really, really want control. So we just said that change is the only constant. So what is an illusion and what is a reality? The bigger illusion that we can take from these three subjects is control. We think we have control. We think that if we eat a certain way, we're going to lose a certain amount of weight and we're going to end up with a certain with a certain looking body because that's what the science says but really everybody's body is going to react very very differently because we are composed of so many different things and we're living so many different lifestyles so the only way for you to actually make your best guess is to control what you can and let go of the expectation of what will be the result Letting go of, the ex of that expectation is one of the hardest things that you can do when all you want is controlling the outcome. But again, that control is an illusion. And although that may be a bit, let's say, sad, 
for a lot of people, a bit of a disappointment to a lot of people who really love planning everything, we can still make that illusion work for us. I mean, my name is Nuno Delulu. You know I'm a Delulu queen. If I want something to happen, it will happen. <laughs> but how are we going to do that? How can we make control work for us? We can make control work for us when we redefine the things that we want to have control over. So knowing that life is made up of change and is defined by change and knowing that change is literally the only thing we can actually rely on, then what we can control is change. If we look at control a bit differently, instead of trying to measure every little thing, maybe we can measure the level of change that we can create. And when we do that, we can create more changes and we can get more comfortable with the unknown, when we're comfortable with the outcomes that are not exactly to our liking. <laughs> because if our inputs or our processes include things that are unpredictable, then there will always be a part of the outcome that is unpredictable. And if we, let's say, include that or enmesh that within our system, slowly, then we definitely will be a bit more comfortable with that uncertainty. And when we do that, then we have, let's say, managed our control signals or like our, our control alarms so that they aren't triggered by any <laughs> or most, um, most different uncertainty points, let's say. Now, since we already spoke about the illusion of control and how we can make it work for us, we can go towards reality. Where is the most realistic thing? The most realistic thing really is choice. Because choice is always there, whether we want it or not. And even if we think that we don't have a choice, we choose whether to believe that simple idea or not. Do I believe that I never had a choice in choosing this or that? Do I really think that I didn't have a choice in, let's say, the way I process or handle something? There always is a choice. And your lack of choice or thinking that you lack choice is also a choice. That is the negative Delulu side. <laughs> if we believe that we didn't, let's say, the victimizing mindset, for example. The, the victimizing mindset is very, very common and we all do it. We all have it. And that mindset is when we feel like we are victims of something external. Okay, sometimes, realistically, like objectively, everything looks like it is against you. For example, you just lost a parent. Of course, everything is going to look dark and bleak and it, you will feel like the world is against you somehow. But... During that time period where you process that loss and you try to slowly pick yourself up after that loss, then you have the choice to either let that loss define you or let that loss be one of the bricks on which you build yourself again. And that is a choice not a lot of people see because a lot of people can just look at whatever it is that they're getting out of the world at a certain point 
and define themselves based on whatever they're shown in reality, when really the source is you. So if you are unable, if you are unable to perceive the opportunities in front of you, then you will never be able to actually see the opportunities that are presented in front of you objectively. So if you are getting multiple, let's say, job offers every day or every week, and you already have a good job, but you're unable to see satisfaction in whatever you're doing or the offers that you're getting, then in that case, that satisfaction is going to be the thing that's clouding your judgment and clouding your perception of the different opportunities that you have in front of you. You can either choose to do that or to do something about it and actually change whatever you need to change. Because really, in the end, it is our responsibility to know what we want and choose it. Do I want life or do I want to give that power to something else? Giving that power to something else can look like giving in to a difficult time, giving in to challenges, giving in to people's, let's say, projections on you, whatever it is. Or are you going to look at what you want and go after it and choose it every time? So, for example, I have always loved speaking. And, I mean, surprise, surprise, when you are doing the thing that you love the most, usually you're going to face challenges in it because the world is continuously going to test you. If you love speaking, then you will be presented with environments that don't like you speaking. Or you're going to be presented with people who throw a lot of projections on you because you're speaking. And that is perfectly normal. Because life is going to challenge you wherever you are, whatever you're doing, in the thing that you are trying to do. Because that's how you prove to life that you actually are committed to this. You actually want to make this change or make this thing happen or you know, get that desired outcome that you want, which is success in in that case. Choosing what you love over and over and over again will never fail you, ever. The only time in which you may face an issue is if what you want is not aligned with what you're supposed to be, or let's say you're meant to be doing. And this is something you kind of find out with like trial and error. So I've wanted to do a lot of things, okay? I'm a Gemini, I have a lot of interests and they are ever-changing and ever, let's say, growing with me. (laughs) So for for a long time, I wanted to stay away from the world and stick to, let's say, the one thing that will keep me away from humanity for a very, very long time. I even set goals that would end up putting me in a career or positions where I do not deal with people, where I deal with things that are not living, for example, because I don't want to see living people and I don't want the stress of having to keep someone alive, <laughs> okay? And and it's kind of funny because... And, you know, where I am, where I live, most of the 
most of the people in my community would think that people should grow up thinking that they need to be doctors. And surprisingly, I never actually had that thought in mind. I never actually wanted to be a doctor. I never wanted to, let's say, have that stress of making someone better with whatever medications or whatever it is that they, they would need. And most importantly, the stress of keeping them alive. Like the doctor is supposed to keep you alive to the best of their ability. I'm not, I'm not for that life. <laughs> so I made the decision that I wanted to deal with dead people instead. <laughs> this is very, very long ago. And I still look back at it and, you know, it kind of still makes sense to me. Like if I have someone who's already dead in front of me, all I need to do is figure out why they died and when they died. Then that, that puts my analytical skills into play. And that gives me the opportunity to utilize a lot of my skills and at the same time limit the stressors of having to keep that thing alive because it's not already, like it's already dead. You can't kill it. So <laughs> um, I initially wanted to work in the field of forensic autopsy. I wanted to work with dead bodies to find out everything I need to and everything I can to help solve the big question marks because that would put my analytical skills in, into play that will protect me from the, let's say the stress of needing to keep something alive that would involve me not dealing with that many humans, alive ones. It would, you know, it was, it was, it was just ticking all the marks for me. And I genuinely believed that that was the path I needed to make or you know, that was the path for me. And I announced the news. And thankfully, my father has always been extremely, extremely, um, let's say, enabling of my different interests. And he thought that was a great idea. It was different. Yes, it wasn't your classical, I want to be a doctor uh, thing or anything of the sort. But it, you know, he accepted it and he was like, okay, great. So do you have a plan? I was like, yeah, I'm just gonna, I just need to graduate now. And he was like, great, then you just do that. And then we're going to go and do it in the best place ever. And with that support, I was lit up with passion. And I already started reading into it. I started learning as much as I can about it, focusing on what I should, what I need to be good at to get to that, let's say, career path and everything and anything that correlates to it. But then my father died. And that was the biggest, biggest, let's say, one of the biggest traumas that I experienced. And after he died, it just seemed like all of my dreams were kind of disappearing one by one. Not because he died, like it's not the, the event itself, but the things that happened as a consequence of that event. The people who, who were there after he passed away weren't as understanding or supportive as he was. He would have supported me, no questions asked. 
but the you know the world on the other hand you know it had a bit you know a bit more challenges that i needed to uh face to grow into who i am today so i've always been a good speaker but i didn't know it at the time and i've always enjoyed a lot of things and i enjoyed dealing with people i just didn't know it at the time and after he passed away i was like okay so what's the closest thing I mean, the field that I wanted had a lot to do with chemistry, had a lot to do with, let's say, you know, biology. It had to do with a lot of things. So I started looking into different fields that were even remotely correlated to my initial interest. And I got biology, I got chemical engineering, I got, you know, so many different options. And at that time, it was the time for us in high school to go and pick whatever it is that we found ourselves in. So I even went to career fairs. Like I went everywhere and I asked everybody. And I made, I spoke to very influential people in those fields at the time. And I just knew that basically most of the things that correlated to that career path that I wanted initially were either not paying that well or they weren't available for people like me at the time. So then I was met with another twist of events. <laughs> then I had to pick a university. So I was like, okay, since I can't go to you know whatever I'm passionate about, let's go to find another passion of mine, which is money. What pays good? Business school. Great. So I need to go to business school. And then I started looking at different business schools and the best ones that are in the world. And, you know, what possibilities do I have right now? And I started sifting through these. And every time I would make a decision, I would also have a list of, let's say, other options. And every time, I just seemed to have found myself going with the last option. So at the time, I wanted the familiarity. I was looking for control. I was trying to control my future. I was trying to control where I end up in life. I was trying to control the outcome of things. But every time, life threw things in my way that forced me to change course. And every time, I had to make choices and I had to give myself options. And I, because of my desire for control, of course. So I went with the local university in my area. It was my last option, but it was the only option that worked for me. So I went with it. I went with uh, to the local university. And in there, we had a list, or, uh, I think three different paths based on which we can later pick a college. That we call we used to call that prep here. I don't even know if it exists anymore. So, anyways, uh, in my path, there were three colleges. It was a it was called the scientific path, and there were three colleges that it can take you to: business school, IT, and science. So, then I had I had to either choose go for the science college and graduate with chemistry or biology as a degree and then build on it build on those 
but that wasn't really paying very well where I live. So I wasn't about that life. I wanted the money. <laughs> so my best two options were the IT college and the business college. And my goal was to go to the business college because I wanted to be a business person and have a lot of money so that later I can go and fulfill all of my dreams. <laughs> but the thing is, the really, really funny thing is, we had this one course for, um, for English for specific purposes in which we, we learned a lot of terminology, uh, professional terminologies related to different, let's say, majors inside each one of these different colleges. And when we, I was, I was reading through the book really quickly. And then I found this graph that explained something very basic in, in business school. And I kid you not, I felt in my stomach and in my heart that I could probably not survive looking at that graph ever again. I wanted to shred that paper and I wanted to burn it. Not because I don't even know, I don't remember what it was about. <laughs> it wasn't something triggering to begin with. It was just a graph that I thought was extremely, extremely stupid and extremely, I, I don't know. I judged that graph more than I judged anything in my life. And I wanted to never, ever, ever, ever have to deal with it ever again. So yes, I made a decision to change course again and my next, um, let's say, my next goal was to go to the IT college. So funny how life takes you from forensic sciences to IT. <laughs> and then I started looking at different options for majors in IT because that was where I'm going. And in that college, I found three majors at the time, which are computer science, computer information systems, and cybersecurity. Then I had to choose between these three. And cybersecurity was the closest thing I could get to the circle that I initially wanted, which was forensic sciences. So I was like, great, sounds cool. I want to go to cybersecurity. And then when I studied the situation a bit more, I found that that specific major was relatively recently opened, so it wasn't even accredited. And the possibility of getting, let's say, a lot of money because I needed a job after I graduate. So the possibility of getting a lot of money or ha that degree being credible was lower. Plus, the fact that this major was very recently opened means that I cannot trust if the quality of the courses is going to be good and if everybody knows what they're doing. And of course, they did know what they're doing. But at the time, I was being called indirectly to look elsewhere. And that's what I did. I started looking at computer science and computer information systems. Now, computer science is the pure hell of math, logic, and everything non-delulu. And then there's computer information systems, which had a lot of dealing with people and a lot of business. Surprisingly, at the time, I found out that every course that I had that had to do with business, I got straight A's in. I got very, very easy. Um, it was fun. It was an easy time. It was 
nice. I didn't have to study that much. It would, you know, it just, it just clicked in my brain. And that's when I started to learn that I have people skills and I have business skills, but I just don't, let's say at the time, I didn't see that as an opportunity. I saw it as I already know how to do this. So there's no point. Let me just go and challenge myself somewhere else. Where's the challenge? Where's the spice? <laughs> the spice was in the logic and math. So <laughs> I went and chose computer science, which was very nandalulu, which was very, very challenging for me, which was very interesting at the same time. Because I wasn't very good at these things, it was new knowledge to me. And new knowledge always, always sparks me up. So I enjoyed my time in the classes, but I definitely did not enjoy the time in the, in the exams when I had to prove that I understood what I'm, <laughs> what I'm looking at and actually challenge that knowledge. So eventually it was the weirdest mix between hell and heaven for me because I loved learning something very, very new and very, very different from what I already know. But at the same time, it wasn't nice getting very bad grades sometimes. And still I kept going with it and I just, you know, I made the decision because I had a choice. I had the choice of being miserable because I'm not good at this or I had the choice to accept my situation and just enjoy what I can out of this and so I chose to enjoy it I chose to enjoy the classes I chose to enjoy the knowledge and actually understand the concepts that I'm being presented with and not care as much about the grades and that's actually what happened I gained skills that are computer science-y but I'm not that great at applying them <laughs> you know I just have the knowledge I have the the, the philosophy, but I don't have the practicality of it. So moving forward, I graduated from that, from that degree with a newfound passion in human-computer interaction, which now we call user experience and user interfaces design. It's not the designing and the colors that were fascinating to me. It's the fact that user experience studies the connection between humans and machines. Now, I was learning all about machines at the time, and I already had this inherent knowledge about humans because I've always been an observer, and I just sit and watch people and learn a ton every day. So the connection between them is where I found myself the most. And graduating from, from university with a degree in computer science, it sounded very fancy, but I had already set my eyes at my next direction. Now, I never thought I wanted to do anything that had to do with humans, which is another reason why I even picked computer science. I'm just going to be a developer or whatever. But no, I was passionate about user experience. So I found a, what do they call it? a bootcamp that was specifically for user experience and user interface design. I wanted to, let's say, sharpen my skills in user experience and at the same time, let's say, dip my feet into design and try to work on my you know, relationship with colors and designs and stuff of the sort because 
I don't know. It just always stresses, it just always stressed me out. Moving forward, I started that um, that boot camp after graduation, and halfway through, after I finished the um, after I finished the user experience segment, my project was actually one of the top three in in the boot camp, and my research was of very very high quality. Because I always had a passion for research, I just loved learning things and writing and delivering knowledge and all of these things. So that was exactly where I needed to be. I led the team through the exact same thing that everybody hates, which is user experience research. And I made them fly high that <laughs> but then at the same time I needed money because it's the real world now so I was applying to jobs and I found a job um, that was that was relatively paying well considering that I was jobless and considering also that it was the peak of COVID which is a time when people were just not hiring anyone and stuff of the sort. So I just, you know, I just needed to put my feet somewhere in the world. It is also worth mentioning that before I graduated, because of my passion for storytelling and writing stories since I was in school, that ended up landing me a very good deal for a lot, a lot, a lot of projects where I ended up working with the biggest brains and the most talented people to come up with the most beautiful projects and write the most beautiful reports. And it was it was a really, really good time because I was then discovering all of the different skills that made me unique, that made me myself, that made me the most, let's say, it just made me shine in my own way. Not in the way that I was expected to, but in the way that I know how to. So I was, I was the writer, I was the storyteller, I was the speaker, I was the, sometimes the planner. All of these roles are exactly where I found myself doing the best. I was also the one dealing with the most people. So consequently, that's how I, you know, built that understanding that I'm good with people. <laughs> and I shouldn't be running away from them. Or not running away, but avoiding. <laughs> so that's when I was like, okay, maybe it's time I avoid. I stop avoiding people and actually discover what I can accomplish with them instead. And that's actually how I landed my first job. I went with a um, with a help desk job that helped me connect with the biggest number of humans possible in a given day, have the biggest number of small conversations and solving problems and building knowledge and all of these things. And before I know it, I started getting a bit of bigger responsibilities. I was starting to train people. I was starting to collaborate more with my managers at the time and all of these beautiful 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 let's say growth moments for me they all came rocketing everything that I thought I knew about myself before that so if I didn't make these different choices 
if I didn't, if I wanted to maintain control, if I wanted to never change, then I wouldn't have ever found these experiences that made me who I am today. And I'm very, very grateful for that. And I really hope that everybody gets to experience this in their own timeline, in their own way. Now, moving forward from that old job that I had, I got promoted and I started working with a very, very extremely supportive team who taught me so much and who opened my eyes to even bigger possibilities for myself. And then I landed another job in another company and I that's where I started growing on steroids. Growing in terms of my passions like public speaking, like connecting with different people, like planning different things, like making a difference, whatever it is that you think you need to be doing in corporate. That's what I started doing now. And it is genuinely one of the biggest, biggest growth periods of my life in, let's say, in my career and outside, because all of these things actually blend together and change you constantly. So all of these things, what I just told you, the story of, let's say, how I ended up from forensic sciences to a corporate girly in IT, uh, which is very, very weird in my opinion. It still is one of my favorite, favorite memories or favorite, let's say, timeline passage because it shows me how control, change, and choice make or break who you are in a given day. So now we spoke on what these three things are, how they're connected, how change is the only constant, how control is an illusion, and reality is the choice. Now, let's talk about the inability to choose. Now, in this story that I just told you, I made a trillion different choices a trillion different times. Every time I had to say yes to a new opportunity. How did I do that when I am extremely delulu and actually choose usually to not want to participate in real life? So how did I start making choices? Especially when life, you know, threw me in all the different, different dots that I spoke of, the dots of intersections. I basically made decisions based on a few factors. I made the decisions based on what am I trying to go towards? Am I trying to learn right now? Or am I trying to expand? Am I trying to stay in a certain circle? Uh, do I, do I, what am I prioritizing right now? Is it money or is it learning or is it, what am I prioritizing? So what, where you want to end up, that is one thing that you can put into consideration. What is it that you want to achieve out of this? And what is your top priority? Now, I did in this in this story, I took away a lot of details, such as the different offers that I got for different companies. And they were all very, very big corporates before I land the job that I landed recently. And that, you know, that made me a typical corporate girly. So I did get a lot of offers that were objectively 
more sane for someone in my situation at the time. So at the time when I was looking for this job, I had I hadn't learned how to drive yet and most importantly, I was still building. Like I wasn't I wasn't in a position where it's easy to like switch things or it was easy to just, you know, pick something and go with it. I was tied with a lot of responsibilities and a lot of things that I had in mind and you know, a lot of different factors, but one thing stood out for me always. I had a compass, an internal compass, and that compass always always told me which direction to go. So when I set a goal, usually I don't know where exactly I'm going to end up, but I know that this is the direction I want to be in. This is the direction that I'm meant to be in. It's the direction that gives me the most out of whatever action I take. So for example, I had to choose between my passion at the time, which was user experience, and money because I needed a job. So my biggest priority at the time was supporting my family. So can I support my family if I continue if I rejected the job and continued at the boot camp? It's gonna take a while. <laughs> but the money thing was a bit more urgent. So I had to make the decision based on priority. When I was choosing between let's say the different jobs that were offered to me after my first job, I had either to choose something that is safe, that is close to where I live, that was, um, let's say, a safer option because I know a lot of people who work there and like I can, I can get a feel of it. And the place where I worked, I was dealing with a lot of people who were in, in, that, in, that, in that corporate that wanted to recruit me. But I didn't get the internal, the, the internal compass was saying no. The internal compass was telling me that this is not the direction I need to be in. This is not the, the direction for me, at least not now. Maybe in the future, it could direct me to that circle again. But right now, it is definitely not. And every time I listen to that internal compass, I never regret a decision. Ever. So if you're afraid of change, of making a choice or of the lack of control that comes with all of this combined, then trust your internal compass. Everybody has it. Not a lot of people trust theirs, but it's okay. You can build that. <laughs> so with the inability to choose, we just said that it's, it's okay to be overwhelmed with different options. It's okay to not know what to choose, but always have the bravery to choose something. Because if you don't, the world is going to choose for you. And the ways that we can, you know, make choosing easier is to limit our options, look at our priorities, and see what our internal compass is trying to tell us. Now, when do we need to change? And when is change not the best option? And we keep talking about change and how it's like the basic of life and how it's the one thing that we all need to constantly listen to and constantly you know abide by but if we are always put in this intersection of having to make a choice then we'll always have to either choose to change or not to change 
So change is either needed or it's not in any given intersection or in any given choice. Change is going to be needed when you feel like you have completed your task where you are right now. So when I did the, the, the research that is now published and I graduated, I knew that I don't want to do another research paper for a very long time. Like my time with research, although I do love writing and I do love researching, but my time with research had come to an end for that time being. And it was time for me to switch to something new, which was at the time um, user experience. And that's where I utilized my research skills in user experience and came up with the with one of the most beautiful ideas ever. So know when it's time to change course. It's when you have this internal feeling like I don't want to do this anymore for a while. <laughs> and it's time to explore something different. You're going to notice that this is very scary. And, uh, you know, considering that I'm someone who always ends up having to choose and having to change course a lot. It is definitely very, very scary because there's always going to be a lot of risks involved. Every time I have to make a change, I have to put into account everything that will be affected by the change. And I have to own up to that decision and actually move forward with it with confidence. Because if I don't trust myself with it, then who am I going to trust? You are your rock in in life and life is always going to be changing. You just need to have that internal confidence to push through no matter what. And when is change not the best option? Change is not the best option when it's rooted in fear. If you are trying to change course because you're afraid of what you are facing right now and that is it, then you are likely running away from an immense opportunity for learning. So when I started a new job and I found out how much it's going to grow me and how different I'm going to be after a month or two or three in this given job and how stressful it is, you know, and the nature of that job was stressful at the time. So I had to either choose to run away from it or choose to stay and learn as much as I can and not make that change right now. And that's what I did. So I stayed in that job for a whole year, although it was very, very stressful. And I was, and I had already made the decision that I want less stress in my life, but well, there's that. So, <laughs> so I stayed, I didn't change course, uh, right away when I didn't feel comfortable because I knew that this was an immense opportunity for me to learn. And when I made the decision to stay and not change, I was presented with so many new opportunities that were like small changes for me all the time. And as you can guess now, I am so used to change. It's kind of a problem because I'm always looking out for areas that need changing. Not always, but usually. Like I'm always looking at myself. And I'm like, okay, is am I am am I am I sensing a new change coming? And usually the answer is yes. But but for the most part, 
Um, so I just got a bit more comfortable with the uncomfort of constant change. And now I use that as a strength instead of a problem. Because it isn't a problem, it's just the nature of life. Now, we'll move on to answering the question of how to get more comfortable and muster the courage and bravery to change. Now, as someone who had to go from not wanting to ever change to constantly changing and not being able to stop because I just accepted my fate in life at this point, um, that took a lot of bravery and a lot of courage, and it does every single time I had to do it. Uh, and I understand that a lot of my listeners right now, whoever you are, wherever you are, you probably also have faced, you know, a lot of fear when it comes to wanting to change something or feeling like you have to change something now. And although I understand that staying in the same place is way more comfortable, it's what you know, it's safer, you're more in control here, but there is no growth there. And... Before you know it, you'll start to rot and die. <laughs> that may sound very harsh, but it is the reality of things. If we don't change when life calls us to, and note that I emphasize that we change when life calls us to. So my life calls me to change every other month, but someone else's life doesn't really require them to change much, maybe once a year, once every five years, you know, I know someone who changes every seven years. So, you know, it's, it's you, it's dependent on you. <laughs> but when it's time for you to change, when life starts calling for you to change, and you resist it, you're putting yourself into way more, let's say stress than you would otherwise have to go through if you just accepted your fate in life and changed because that's life you know now staying grounded throughout the weathers of life through it all we just spoke about how change choice and control collaborate together to create this never-ending movement in life and as we all know if something continuously mo is moving like the maybe the waves of the ocean it's constantly moving the ship will never be in the same position. It will always keep moving because the ship moves with the ocean. And if the ocean is constantly moving, the wind is moving it continuously, the ship cannot just stay in place. It will move. But the ship can have techniques or can have things in it that help it move in a way that is more grounded, in a way that doesn't, let's say, flip the ship. <laughs> so... What can we do to give ourselves that kind of grounded energy when we are in times of change? First of all, breathe. Breathe through it all. If you're feeling terrified of that change, if you're embarking on something new and you feel like it's too much, just breathe through it all. If it's something major in your life, then it would be good if you journaled everything that you're experiencing, every feeling that you're experiencing and accepted the lack of comfort and the lack of control that you have at that at that time. So this year, I started this year with a new job, a new home, a new everything, a new, lit, literally, I moved houses and I didn't even take my bed, not even my mattress, nothing. So let's say I was called to 
uh, embark on a very new chapter in my life. And this new chapter was very, very difficult for me to settle into because it was changes in every part of me and in every, let's say, area of my life. It's not just one or two areas. So it was, let's say, the biggest change I had to experience yet. And I'm still settling into it. (laughs) But overall, that change was the scariest thing I've done because it was a lot of letting go. It was way more letting go than I ever did before. And it was a lot of embracing the unknown and a lot of, you know, trust, having having to trust myself because the change is going to happen either ways, but you, you have the choice to either trust yourself or not. So I just had to trust myself through it all and learn how to listen to my internal compass and not doubt it all the time. And that actually helped me stay grounded in times of change. The times when it was storming and it was it wasn't even 6 a.m. yet and it was storming and I had to be out there and I don't even know how to get where I need to go and everything was a mess for a while. And if I didn't ground myself at the time, then I would have never gotten to where I am today and I wouldn't have become who I am today it wouldn't have improved my flexibility with life my ability to just accept things the way they are and you know do life through these changes and not avoiding these changes or avoiding the effect that they have on me so embracing life and accepting it for what it is and moving through it which is not easy by the way but it's doable and I can help you do that if you'd like. You can just let me know if you're if you're interested to get help on that. But generally speaking, these things can give you a lot of grounding during the bigger times of change. And finally, I hope that you enjoyed this episode. I'm pretty sure that it's going to be the longest one. Um, maybe yet, but... I think these three main and very, very, very crucial topics were worth spending a lot of time on. And I hope that you enjoyed my stories, enjoyed, you know, segments of my life. And I hope that you can leave us a rating and let me know what you think of the episode. And thank you so much for listening. This is Nono Dolulu hosting Pickle and the Human Experience. See you in the next one. Bye.